You're listening to The Only Constant, a podcast about active hope. In today's conversation, we spoke with Jack Hitchcock. Jack is the student body president at FSU and chair of the Florida Student Association. Raised in a patriotic family, he carries a deep sense of gratitude and appreciation for his country. Because I live not even in just the United States where we have the best education in the world, but I also live in the state of Florida where we have the number one higher education system in the country. It's just a reminder of how lucky you are to live in such a fantastic place that gives you opportunities to have a podcast. You know, in some countries, you don't have access to Spotify. You don't have access to YouTube. Those are just a few things that remind me of how lucky I am to live in this country and why I'm so patriotic. From navigating the complexities of student politics to pondering the role of media in shaping public sentiment, Jack offers a multifaceted view on patriotism, optimism, and kindness, values he attributes to his upbringing. Hopefully, you find some hope today. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening. Thank you, my friend, for coming on today. Of course. Really appreciate it. Let's start with your name and your pronouns. So my name is Jack Hitchcock, and I use he, him pronouns. Okay, cool. And before coming on today, you sent us a list of wonderful passions, things that you are just absolutely passionate about, regardless of the time of day that it might be. Um, and I will say that the first one is the first time that we've gotten this, I think. Your first passion is patriotism. Yeah, there we go. Well, first of all, thank you for calling them wonderful. I really Absolutely. appreciate that. <laughs> um, I think that might be a first, but uh, yeah, patriotism yeah, it's is... It's a day of firsts. <laughs> there you go. First time on a podcast. Really? Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah, I've never been on a podcast before. I was texting my girlfriend before this. I was like, I am so excited. Good. <laughs> That's I'm awesome. Glad. Most people are a little nervous before coming on. Glad yeah. you're excited. A little nervous. I don't do cameras all that well, but other than that, you know... Eh iPhone cameras. <laughs> I mean, it's such a good group of people. Nina was talking to me about y'all. Uh, shout out to Nina. But, um, you know, y'all are such great people. So Aww. thanks, I'm excited man. For Appreciate this. it. Thanks. No, absolutely. What's, so why are you passionate about patriotism? Yeah. So I think it really got started. I, well, I was always raised that way. So Gulf Breeze, I, I grew up in Gulf Breeze, Florida. It's a small town in between Pensacola and Pensacola Beach. And Pensacola is a big Navy town. And the Panhandle on its own is a huge military place. You have military installations everywhere, but NAS Pensacola is one of the biggest in the state of Florida, I guess second to Jacksonville. Mm. And so you also have the world's largest naval aviation museum there. And my dad was a Navy pilot. My uncle was a Navy pilot. And my grandpa fought in the army. And so I've just grown up around a lot of veterans gotcha. who have made me extremely thankful uh, for my place in this country. Mm. Mm. Okay. So that continues to bleed through in your work. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, of course. And which we'll get to. You are the student body president of FSU. <laughs> I am. I am indeed. <laughs> we I had a indeed. whole conversation before we recorded how your title sometimes supersedes who you are as Jack. Yeah. Which is, but you said that those are sometimes necessary sacrifices that you have to make. Yeah, for, they are. Okay, um, yeah. You know, Nina, Adam, and I all signed up for them. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's sacrifices that anyone will make by doing anything. We just happen to have very interesting sacrifices that mm -hmm. we made. That's mm -hmm. true. Okay, so what What are... I'm going to stick with, let's say, three things. What are three things that you are very... That make you patriotic about America? What do you mean by make me patriotic? So, or what, how... So, what are what three you, things you're patriotic about? Yes. When you think of patriotism, what are those three things? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, the flag okay, is, yeah. is the constant reminder that 
oh gosh, and you know, I, I know some people are going to disagree with this, but oh, you live in the best country on earth. And, you know, because I live here, because I live, uh, you know, not even in just the United States where we have the best education in the world, but I also live in the state of Florida where we have the number one higher education system in the country mm. for actually seven years in a row now. You know, we beat out states like California. We beat out states like Massachusetts. Um, it's I just did not a, know that. Yeah, it's just a reminder of how lucky you are to live in such a fantastic place that gives you opportunities to have a podcast. You know, in some countries, you don't have access to Spotify. You don't have access to YouTube. And so, I mean, I've, I've gone all over the place with this one, but those are, those are just a few things that remind me of how lucky I am to live in this country and why I'm so patriotic. Okay. So it seems like a lot of your patriotism comes from gratefulness. and Absolutely. Right. And so, and I feel like, you know, it, that's something that uh, we don't hear a lot about the United States. It, we love to, to we, I guess the media, I should say, loves to talk about all the negatives. And those things exist. But in your opinion, what are more of the positives of living here besides just the opportunities we get? Like, like what are things that you truly think make the United States a great place? Yeah, so probably the best way to think about this is to think about things that people label, label as public. And so I'm, I'm going to use uh, education again, but we label, you know, Florida State University, University of Florida, whatever university public in the state of Florida, we label those as public universities. They're not really truly public. They're private owned by the state. Okay. And so mm. it, it's all of these things that are owned by the government that we get access to. I don't know about y'all, uh, but Bright Futures is such a great program. You yeah. use Bright Futures. Yeah. There we go. And so in the state of Florida, we have the opportunity, and this is not the same for every state, but we have the opportunity to go to school for free if we are a high achiever. And you have that, you had that, right? Because you're graduated, Caleb. 75%. I got, I didn't get 100% tuition coverage. Okay. Hands are up. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm, I'm graduated as well, but I also got that. There you go. Perfect. Um, yeah. So we have the opportunity to go to school for free or nearly free. Yeah. Um, and that's such a great blessing, um, you know, to be able to be recognized, number one, and then number two, be able to receive something for that. Mm -hmm. And so education, I would say, is right up there. But, you know, what else do we label as public? We have sidewalks and roads and things that we I drove on to get here that normally people would take for granted. Mm -hmm. But we just pay taxes for it. And the tax rate in Florida is not high. Mm -hmm. And... Um, you know, that's that's one of the best things is because we get all of this benefit from the government and we don't have to abide by certain rules other than laws that, you know, are crimes that we can all understand. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's why I'm just thankful to be here. Mm. You know, I feel like I don't know if there's any backing to this, but I feel like Florida has one of the best highway systems in the United States. Like it's so efficient to get around the state. So that's very interesting because the interstates are federally, uh, federally run. Right. And so the big one that I use like all the time is I-10 mm -hmm. in between Tallahassee and Pensacola. And that one's okay. It goes straight. <laughs> uh, that's yeah, I-10. I guess like the state highways though. Have you ever taken like the turnpikes or? So I've done Highway 98. Yeah. Which is in Gulf Breeze. Yeah. Um, and then in Pensacola. And that one's great. And it goes all the way down to, I think... <laughs> watercolor and 30a hmm. 
So that highway, I think maybe that one turns into 64. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, <laughs> but um, they're pretty good yeah. from what I've seen. I don't think I've made it into South Florida too much to, okay. to be able to speak on that, though. Yeah, I will say, though, when it comes to being patriotic about this country, I do. I agree with Ted. In, in certain cases, it feels a bit rare, um, but that's only because of certain ideologies that we've just come to adopt because of the narrative that we've been given depending on what you decide to watch right so when i think of i used to think of america as um like the world's police or something like that you know what i mean um or i used to think of america as basically the they are like the torchbearer like they're carrying us forward right and i think in many ways we have throughout history and i think What's interesting, and I want to hear your perspective on this, is as we go fewer, uh, as we go forward, like in the future, how do you think America can continue to be that bastion, I think is the word I'm looking for, of progress? Great question, first <laughs> of all. Uh, I do want to comment on the patriotism part of it, though. Okay. Please. First. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we, we talk about how patriotism is, is a dwindling breed, mm -hmm. um, which I couldn't agree more with. Mm. And it, I think it has to do with human nature. You know, people would much rather be critical of something than proud of something. Hmm. Um, and you see that in the news. So, you know, how often does a news story sell about, oh, firefighter rescues cat from a tree versus two people shot dead on Tennessee Street? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. How, how long did we hear about the shooting in DeGraff mm -hmm. versus, you know, something good that happened? Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, there are these things and we weigh them in our head and it's just human nature to want to click on one thing versus the other, the one thing being the bad thing. And then the news realizes that and goes, okay, so are we going to run this good story or are we going to run this negative story? Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing. So why be proud and happy to be in the United States when you could be critical of some of the bad things that we do face here? Mm -hmm. um, and so I would say, that's that's my point on patriotism. No, I appreciate that. So yeah. the other thing is, how can we continue? What did you say? A bastion for hope? Yeah. Is that what you said? Or, or, uh, well, that's a great progress. way to put it, honestly. But yeah, progress. Uh, hope. I like hope, though. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> bastion for hope and progress. So first of all, we're always pushing forward. Mm -hmm. You'll rarely find that some people don't want to make other people's lives better. Mm -hmm. You'll rarely find that. Rarely, rarely, rarely. And so you'll have lawmakers in this country who might seem like they're just going the opposite way or trying to denigrate the United States or the way of life. But everyone's just trying to push each other forward in their own way. They might see that as forward. They might be looking in a mirror, looking backwards on accident. Mm -hmm. But everyone's trying to look forward mm -hmm. and making sure that we are pushing our country forward and each other forward and our communities forward rather than going backwards. And so I don't think that's something that we necessarily need to change to look for, like patriotism. I think there probably does need to be a shift. But when we talk about, you know, progress and hope, everyone's going forward. Like y'all, y'all are trying to make a difference by sharing other people's stories. And that's a prime example of that. Y'all aren't trying to tear people down by doing X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. But y'all are trying to push people forward. And that's just what everyone's trying to do. Hmm. So on that point, you know, I love that. And I think it's true. Yeah, like, me too. Like 99% of the time, I think it's true. I think most people, whether they're politicians or not, feel that way, truly. But I hear what you're saying about, you know, even if it seems like they're maybe going backwards, they are trying to, to make things better from their perspective. 
So just hypothetically, is there potentially room in there to be like, okay, I see that I understand that you're trying to do the right thing, but you're not. Is that, is that a, I'm not saying that's a real thing that somebody would say, but like, is that a, is that a real, is that a valuable critique for somebody? Like you're trying to make things better, but you're not. Yeah. First of all, feel free to push back against me. Anything that I say, feel free to point up and say you're wrong. Oh, we're gonna tear you down. Well, we don't want to. We don't want to have a debate. Feel but. free. Feel free. But I think that that is one of the only valuable criticisms that you can ever give somebody. Like, I know that you're trying to do the right thing. It might not come out the way you think it will, or it might not have the desired effect, or it might not unite people the way you think it will. Um, and I think that is beautiful the yeah. way that you have phrased that because if only we people could, just, could say that I know. rather than saying you know yelling like what we were just you're wrong about, yeah you're wrong <laughs> you know y- you have a certain idea of this and that couldn't be true so you need to go die yeah and it's yeah. like the things that you see yeah like i worked for a lawmaker um for the florida house two years ago the amount of death threats that person received was crazy Oh my gosh. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And it t- completely turned me off from politics because why would you want to? Mm. Why would you want to go and try to do what you think is right mm-hmm. and then get death threats because of it? It's just, hmm. it's an interesting way to live. Yeah. But I think what, an interesting thing that you're pointing out is the freedom that we have to <laughs> send a death threat. Yeah. Which oh, is yeah. Like, you, if I you did that, that in another country, you would be taken away forever I, and executed. I don't even know which country that would be, you know? And But, like, truthfully, when I'm thinking about America, we do have so much leeway and freedom when it comes to our speech. And that's something that, uh, as time goes on, I'm uh, more and more realizing the value of, you know? Just, like you said, being able to hear another person's story. Everyone, I believe, has an innate desire to be heard. It's just a matter of being able to listen. And in terms of expressing to someone that you think that uh, they're doing the wrong thing or like they think they're doing the right thing, but truthfully they're not. There's been, there've been many circumstances where two different people in my uh, personal life where two different people have had their very, have had their own very true truths (laughs) for lack of a better way of putting it. Like they had a very specific narrative of life and they followed that narrative. No matter what, that is the truth, right? You have someone who, would deny that and say that this is the truth, you know, X, Y, Z is the truth, right? But I think what's so cool is that we have the freedom to discuss these starkly different opinions and perspectives, right? Because there are so many places where that's just not an option, you know? And I feel like it being in your position, Jack, it's like you are put on a platform, you mm-hmm. know? You're asked all of these important, heavy, nuanced questions. And you got to like keep a smile on your face the whole time, all that fun stuff, right? But in reality, Always. yeah, but in Always. reality, it's like, just like you said, working with lawmaker, was it? Oh, uh, yeah, okay. a representative for Florida House. Okay, so working with that person, you said it turned you off from politics, but that oh, yeah. is just a small example of the things that someone has to go through. Can you imagine the president of the United States? And exactly. All the things they're I mean, and you're the student body president of FSU, so I can only imagine you have some sort of personal experience. I hope not to that extent. But I, I would want to know how you remain, I'm going to use this as a segue to optimism. How do you remain optimistic in cir- circumstances like this? Right. Um, 
I love the segue, first of all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, that was a great one. Thanks. Yeah, that, well, that's what happened when I find myself tangentizing. I'm like, all right, we got to get to the next thing. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was great. Uh, so applause for you. Um, but yeah, let, let me tell you, it has not been easy. And it certainly is enough to turn some people off from wanting to run for, you know, student body president or whatever else. Mm-hmm. I've heard many stories about people in the past, people from my year, not wanting to do something just because of that reason. Mm. You know, I could go on and on and on about the things that happened to myself, Nina, Adam, senators, campus recreation board people, union board people. And it's just crazy. The level, I mean, it's crazy what people will do to state lawmakers. It's even crazier what people will do to student government members. Really? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, the student body president two years ago got a car keyed and um, got her house egged right after the election. And so th- those are just two examples. Jeez. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. So um, it, it's difficult, you know, how, how seriously some people take it. But on the optimism point of view, um, there's always positives. There's always positives to literally any situation. Um, so, for example, you know, Tazzy, the student body president from two years ago, had a very successful administration and she got to accomplish a lot, especially coming after COVID. And she knew that was a sacrifice that she had to make was being a public figure, possibly being hated. She won by like one percentage point, mm. which is perhaps why people got so mad invested whatever mm-hmm. we want to call yeah, it yeah um but we also have to think about those people are just passionate people who just happen to do the wrong thing in the moment and they just care about what they wanted to care about and you know they cared about pushing the university forward or pushing the community forward it's just they went about it in a wrong way just like what you're talking about hmm. the thing that frustrates me I, well i love what you're saying and the thing that frustrates me is hearing you say this but then I, 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 I'm just going to call him out. I was listening to an interview with Ron DeSantis. Okay. And, you know, he, he wasn't like an evil dude. He was a pretty normal guy. But it's like even just hearing the way you were talking about these people who did the wrong thing, it was so like you're still giving you're – not, you're not calling them dumb or stupid. You're giving them the benefit of the doubt and being like they were just passionate about what they believed in and they did the wrong thing mm-hmm. in that moment. Whereas I'm listening to Ron DeSantis talk about literally anything that's not in his point of view and he's calling it like the outrageous woke side. And it's like why are you calling all these people dumb? Mm-hmm. Or like basically just not giving them any credit. Whether you agree with them or not, it just frustrates me that we've idolized – some of these politicians who, you know, don't talk good about other people that don't agree with them. And it just sets an example for the rest of the people in the United States. So what I'm really trying to say is I appreciate what you said about people you don't agree with because I wish we had that more. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I appreciate that. Second of all, um... and I don't, I'm not like a huge, I don't hate anybody, but it's just frustrating. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that happens a lot. Yeah. That'll happen anywhere you look, no matter the side of the aisle. Right. It will. And so there's a representative out of North Carolina. I'm not going to say his name. I'm going to try not to say any politician's name just because. Yeah, um, absolutely. But there's, <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. a politician out of North Carolina um, that's awesome in terms of transparency. He gets on. He records a TikTok for people and he goes, here's an update on this. And there's one. And I love following him. 
Um, and I know Adam Bowling is actually a big fan of them too. So uh, he gets on, he, he gives the whole talk, but then I watched one and it was, oh, I got to talk to someone that normally the media says is ferocious and mean. And, you know, I would, I would agree. I would say that the media does say that mm -hmm. about these people and they, they do appear that way. Absolutely. But that person was not actually that way mm -hmm. when the cameras were off. And so it really comes to question, is it just how we present or is it how the person feels? I don't think most politicians or most anybody really thinks, you know, the woke mob or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just buzzwords. And it's like what we talked about earlier. The media would rather focus on that yeah. than focus on someone saying someone just made a bad decision. But mm -hmm. isn't that maybe, isn't that also maybe a problem? Like if it's a performance, if mm. they're saying those things to get people to listen to them, like in, in my opinion, I feel like politicians shouldn't do that. Hmm. Like, why are you purposely using these words to incite negative feelings? You know? And anyway, I don't want this to turn into like a debate on the podcast, but... <laughs> yeah. Do you think there is a way for them to succeed without doing that? Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say, though, is you're bringing up a good point. First of all, I agree with you, Ted. I think there's... And when it comes to morality and when it comes to, like, interacting with humans, there is no reason you should have to use any sort of words that base someone else's opinion in stupidity, like, automatically, right? We talked about Agreed. this on previous episode. Um, but also, you bring up a good point, Jack. It's almost like a catch-22 because, mm -hmm. you know, first of all, you don't know how people will react to cameras, as you said, Jack. You know, you said you were fine with microphones usually, but cameras are like, eh, you know. Um, but also... I know for me, like even last night, for example, I get home, uh, many problems have occurred in the week that I've like been gone and I send you a text and <laughs> we're going to talk about this here. Okay. No, 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 no. I might not the details, a problem but... in including a cat ping on the couch. Is that one of them? <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the problems. It's revolving. It's revolving. Yeah. But it was literally just the way that like i was so stressed out and anxious in that moment i right. send a text that was clearly not communicating the like what i wanted to communicate definitely taken in a way that like we talked ted and i talked about it this morning we're all cleared up we're fine best friends everything's great right <laughs> but it's literally like in that moment there was clearly like a miscommunication that was only had to do with the device we were using to communicate yeah whereas i know if we were in person it'd be much different just like you said as soon as the cameras are off very different person but how do you i think you bring up a good point jack how do you succeed in a circumstance where so much of a person's perspective is controlled by the media so reform yeah <laughs> <laughs> well here let me let me push you on further because i know what you're saying i know yeah. exactly what you're saying yeah in a perfect world, I think that would be great. But who's doing the reform? Uh, Is it who who has the ability to do the reform? The politicians. Oh, so the government, the government reforming the media, hmm. and right. then we have state-owned media, and then we really don't know what's I'm, true and what's not. Well, maybe not governmental reform, but also cultural reform in a way of like, this is what I'm trying to say: is like if the politicians are using if they're just taking advantage of the way the media makes money and gets views and they know that that's going to get them views. Well, in my opinion, I'm just going to sound harsh here. 
that's a little immoral because if, if it's your job to represent the people and to be truthful and set an example, I would much rather have somebody, regardless of their policies, come in and say something that's Pos- I mean, I, I care about their policies too, but what I'm saying is before their policies, I care if you're actually a good person. Mm. And it seems like most politicians, I don't know if that's true, but it seems like many politicians just want to play the game. And I don't want to watch people play the game. I want to watch people actually mm. make a change. And so what I'm trying to get at is I think if politicians started stopping to play the game, the media would have no choice but to stop making it that way too. And then you have reform that happens without the state taking anything over. Because I don't want government-controlled media either. I know what that leads to. Mm. I want cultural reform. I want people to stop wanting to see the clip of Donald Trump saying something shitty about somebody. Or see the clip of AOC yelling at a Republican senator. I want people to just talk to each other like civilized people. I don't know if that will ever happen. Anyway, Mm. rant over. (laughs) I think think that's an awesome rant, and I think you bring up a great point. But the thing is, you're a minority. Yes, I know. You are in a vast... You're one in a million. Because... And we're we're probably three in a million right here. But that's not what people who don't care are looking for. They're looking for something that they can just look at a notification on their phone and go, ha ha, you know, this is great. Mm. Whereas, what are you going to do a headline of that just says, you know, Jack Hitchcock disagrees with Caleb on this and applauds him for, you know, having a good opinion? What what kind of clicks is that going to get? And what kind of support is that going to get you? Yeah. So here's the thing is all politicians do it. All of them. Right. Every single one of them. And so would you rather a politician who is going out there? And, and I'm not saying that I necessarily agree with this. I'm right. Go ahead and right. Throw that out there. But would you rather a politician who is not successful? So um, let's take an Andrew Yang, who says exactly what he believes. And who, by the way, I love Andrew Yang. There we go. Good. I, that you I gave a up. good example. Um, who says exactly what he says. And he doesn't go and he doesn't say, I hate these people. I hate these people. I hate these people. And, and I'm not, this is not an endorsement of Andrew Yang. But um, does that. Or would you rather someone who truly deep down believes in a certain thing and just phrases it differently and is able to accomplish that change because they can get elected? Mm. And so really what we have as Americans is we have to choose, you know, who's being genuine, who really believes what, because I guarantee you a lot of these people, a lot of them don't believe what they're saying. There have been a couple presidents in the past who have been actually every single president who have said one thing and then four years later said another, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a prime example of one of the presidents that we've had in the past 10 years who, and y'all might know who I'm talking about here, but went on campaigning in Pennsylvania during the primary said no more fracking. We'll never frack again. Talking about oil. Mm-hmm. And then, right when the general comes around because you need to go towards the middle, they said, okay, no more new fracking. And then it turned into, okay, maybe we'll start fracking in a couple instances because it's good for the economy. And then it goes like that. So Mm. are we really looking at a change of morals? Are we looking at a difference of phrasing or, hey, we're going to put it this way so that Americans can sign on to this? 
and then we'll just end up changing it and go with what we actually believe. Mm. I mean, that is what we're looking at. And I, we can, we're almost to the half here. So we'll try to round this out with optimism. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, I just, I mean, I, I mean, first of all, I want you to know, I'm not like coming at you. I know you not know at that. All. I know not you know that. But just in case anybody's listening, like, yeah, I think these are important things to just talk about in general. Um, and so just to respond to what you said real quick, I'll say we are looking at that. And that's what it's been for many years. And in my opinion, I think people are starting to wake up to that fact, especially with social media. And I truly believe also being a very strong supporter of Andrew Yang personally, just throwing it out there. I think that he does believe in what he's saying. And I think people should look to him more as an example of what politicians could be because mm-hmm. he, even if he disagrees with you, he's not going to like throw you under the bus. He's going to say what you said at the beginning, which is like, I want you to challenge me. And I don't want exactly what you said is stupid to me. Not what you said, but like if politicians are saying no more fracking and then they say fracking, I'd rather have a politician say, here's the reality folks. We're going to have to keep fracking a little bit so that our economy can stay afloat. But I'm going to try my best to try to, get as much get farther away from fracking and hopefully because it doesn't happen in four years presidents can't change the world in four even eight years mm-hmm. so anyway <laughs> mm-hmm. let's round this out with optimism i'll start by saying even though i'm frustrated with these things i do believe americans and america is on the right track and 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 genuinely wants to make the world better even if some of our systems are a little weird or mm-hmm. Don't walk make it. it look that way. Have a squeaky wheel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a lot of ways to put it. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, we kind of already talked about it, but optimism is something you probably won't ever let go of about the United States, I would imagine. Absolutely not. And about anything. Um, and so another thing that I probably should have sent you in my interest was family. I'm a big family guy. Um, I have a twin sister. I have an older sister and I have two loving parents. Um, the first of which I already talked about. My dad was in the Navy, but my mom was a special education teacher. And she was the first one in the state of Florida to ever be nominated for teacher of the year for the state of Florida. Um, and then go, she was runner up from a special education background. Cool. And so back in the day, it used to be, that was taboo. It was very taboo to either be special ed or mm-hmm. teach special ed or be associated or have a child that has special education needs and my mom is like the epitome of kindness and she went out there and she tried to help the people that she thought she could help the most Mm. and she has done a fantastic job at it and she has raised me with those same morals raised my twin sister and raised my older sister and my older sister was the president of special olympics at university of georgia and so it's like wow you know, the whole, the whole family, you know, as, as long as you got, first of all, this is, has nothing to do with anything, but as long as you got great parents, you're going to turn out great. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's like optimism is never something that I'm going to let go yeah. because if you can't look at the positive side of a situation, you might as well accept the negative Sure. Mm-hmm. because, you know, we're looking at the situation and we're talking about it and you say you have optimism for the United States, which, which is great. A lot of people don't feel that way. Yeah. Why? Because they play into the negatives that they see and they say, this can't be fixed. We need a new system. Whereas what we're looking at is going, no, we just need change. 
a lot of it is good. Some of the foundation is good. Some of what we're building on is good. Right. Some of it just needs to be tweaked. Right. Mm -hmm. And that is why optimism is like the number one thing that you could ever have. Because what are you going to, are you going to throw your life away? Because you stub your, you know, toe on the front door. Mm -hmm. You're going to get a new house. No, Mm -hmm. you're going to say this house is still great. And so for people not to be optimistic, it just doesn't make sense to me. Mm. And I will say, just to, to round this out, on an optimistic note. There we go. Um, I will say that, like, just, just to validate what you were saying, Ted, and what you were saying, Jack. Um, you know, I think a prime example of a candidate, like, staying, I, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like Bernie Sanders has been saying the same thing for a really oh, yeah. long time, right? And I would say he's a good example of someone who's been very vocal about, like, screw this game let's let's take this game down right and i also know of a political candidate uh tulsi gabbard i believe it was but she from hawaii she went to do a she gave a or she was giving a speech or something at some point and then the feed just kind of randomly cut out and then came back on after she was done speaking like oh technical difficulty sorry and there truly is such a, a a point that you're making jack which i think is so valid is that if you don't have a large enough following People won't listen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To your point, Ted, yeah. if you aren't your genuine self, if people can tell that you are a shady person or whatever, or you're just not passionate about the same things they're passionate in, they're not going to follow you. Exactly. Like, it really is almost like it, I'm hearing there has to be a balance between the two. That's mm-hmm. what I'm hearing, like between the perspectives. And I completely agree with you, Jack, in the sense that I think we have a great – I'm very patriotic now myself, just so you don't feel alone in that. There we go. Um, I like – just in general, I mean, especially in this conversation, but prior to this, for the past like six months, all of a sudden I've been like, you know, America's actually pretty cool. You know, acknowledging Absolutely. The fact that I have the privilege and the ability to have a podcast and have all the equipment and blah, 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 all the great things, right? But I think when it comes to staying optimistic and moving forward, being a bastion of hope and progress, as we said, I think what's so great is that you have this built-in optimism because there really is, just like you said, so much room to not be. You really, it's so easy just to accept the negative and be like, well, there's no change that I can make. But you are someone who's already listed or who's already stated that you've had to make sacrifices. How old are you? I'm 21. So you're 21 years old, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just turned 23 this past weekend. We I go. can. Hey, happy late birthday. Thanks. But I can very clearly see that you're already so far in the timeline i guess of years you're making the change that i've wanted that i've wanted to see right but you are going in there your feet are on the ground you're making the change absolutely dude listen man (laughs) if it weren't for people like you we wouldn't be able to do the thing that we're doing right now truthfully it's been people like you throughout history who have gotten that's optimism right there but that's optimism (laughs) but like (laughs) truthfully when it comes to adam and like you know Trying to like lobbyists and and corruption, all that fun stuff. That was a lot of like our conversation. So are we are we looping Adam into lobbyists and corruption? Is that what that loop? <laughs> no, was? he's fighting against them. Exactly. Oh, okay, that's no. Okay, that's what okay. I'm saying. Like he is so he is so focused on make on financial transparency. Just oh, yeah. like I mean, I'm not going to go into all the details, all the changes that everybody's trying to make. But I think a good example of optimism is the fact that you have your people, right, who've acknowledged the fact that you you have all made sacrifices to work toward the common good right. or for the greater good, right? So I do appreciate that. That was a long-winded way of being optimistic and rounding it out. Thank you. I appreciate but it. damn it, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, dude, actually, thank you so much. I mean, I really enjoyed talking about that with you because I don't get to talk about it a lot. 
And uh, I really like your perspective on everything. Thank you. Just want you to know that. I appreciate that. So we're going to head to the half and we'll be right back. Bye. We'd like to take a second to shout out our monthly patrons. Thank you to Aaron B., Christina S., Corbin G., Dan W., Mimi S., Kareem A., and Luciano B. for their continuous support of the podcast. Everything we do on this show wouldn't be possible without the generous support of listeners like you. Consider joining us on Patreon, where for just $1 a month, you can support the podcast and help us even more in the conversation about Active Hope. Now, back to the episode. Hello, everyone, and we are back. We are going to open up the second half with your passion for international affairs. Right. Yeah, please. Let's dive in. Okay, awesome. Um, so I think a, a portion of why I got interested in international affairs in the first place came from my love for policy. So love policy, um, which kind of <laughs> explains the student government. You know, it, it, it kind <laughs> yeah. of explains that. Um, and it explains a couple other things that I do, like built on top of the student government. But um, it really combines policy with something that my dad instilled in me when I was younger. So my dad now works for UPS. Hmm. He flies 747s, which is the second largest plane in the world. Um, and, you know, max capacity, a million pounds, you know, flying over the Pacific Ocean. No way, a million? A million. Well, it's like 970,000. That's so not, crazy. not really wow. a million. But wow. um, he flies uh, foreign routes. So he's based in Anchorage, Alaska, and he flies to Shanghai or Beijing and um, then goes to UAE. So either Dubai or Abu Dhabi. Mm. Uh, sometimes he'll stop in Mumbai or um, I forget the other one in India. Oh, well. And then he'll <laughs> go to Cologne, Germany, and then all the way back, um, probably at the different city that he didn't visit on the way there. So he always used to bring back uh, like little trinkets and stuff from different countries. So I have a, uh, a golden camel. It's not really gold. I'll, I'll go ahead and throw that out there. <laughs> it's fake metal that has tarnished beyond now, but mm -hmm. it's a golden camel from the UAE back when the UAE was nothing. Hmm. And then um, I have a couple things from China that symbolize Chinese culture little dolls um, that were made in that in that country. Um, is that better? Yeah. Uh, and that always just got me interested. I used to look forward to, like my dad would be gone for two weeks and then he'd be home for two weeks. And I used to look forward to him coming back from the country. And I used to look forward to him going because he'd bring me back something really, really cool. Mm. And that's really what got me sparked in it. That's cool. Which is yeah. such a weird thing. And then... My first, this is this is interesting. You'll never hear this again, I promise you. Is my real introduction into international affairs was because I'm so competitive. I'm a very competitive person. Y'all can probably tell already. No, actually. <laughs> really? No, okay, I, yeah. Good. I'm extremely competitive. Okay. Love games, any kind of game, you know. I love it. I'm gonna try to be your most listened to podcast episode. I already knew it. Hey, we'll <laughs> take we'll take that. Yeah, just give me a number. You off. happen to love Warzone? I <laughs> Dude, stop. stop! Don't get him started. Yeah, War, Warzone's my baby. Uh, but um, I literally, oh yeah, I was gonna say I forgot where I was going with that. But literally in middle school, one of my best friends, his name's Bixton. Which, first of all, what an interesting name. Yeah, he yeah, goes to Georgia name. Tech now. 
But uh, he was like, hey, I'm doing this competition. You should do it with me. I'll beat you. And I was like, no, you won't. And so I, I got into it. <laughs> and I didn't even, even really know what it was. But it was a geography bee. And I got last. I got dead last. Dang. This was sixth grade. No, seventh grade. Dead last. Hmm. And I just couldn't take it. Bixton got like third. And I was like, no, there's no way that you're going to beat me. So I came back eighth grade. I won and went to state and then got, you know, I got my, can I cuss on this? Yeah, you can. Yeah. I got my ass handed to me uh, by some kid who ended up winning nationals um, that year. And they give you a $50,000. This has nothing to do with anything. They give you a $50,000 scholarship. <laughs> For winning at nationals from National National Geographic. Oh, wow. All he cared about, all he cared about was his parents said he was going to get a phone. Wow. If he won. How exciting. Yeah, so he got a phone. <laughs> so he gets up there after he went. He's going all crazy. They're like, here's $50,000 for college. And he goes, I'm getting an iPhone. <laughs> I'm getting an iPhone. Anyway. So that's really what sparked my love for international affairs. Geography. Was, was geography. Interesting. Actually, geography, my dad, and my love for policy. Okay. So mm. when you say policy. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be – I just want to – what is policy? Please, just explain it to me like I've never heard the word before. Yeah. Because so, I feel like we all have an idea of what it is, but truthfully – I don't, I feel like. Yeah, so normally I would say political science, but people automatically you know, associate political science with uh, a letter next to your name of what you believe, and it automatically you know, paints you in one way, just up and down, mm. and I don't like that. And so I like to use policy. And so policy is just where you can go to make change. It's literally anything that you do to make change. You could call it a policy to start your podcast. And, you know, at, for Adam Bowling, um, you know, it's a policy for him to increase financial transparency at the university. I know he's talked to you about this, but we have a budget of $14.6 million. And so there are a lot of things that we can do with that money to turn it around, create policy that actually benefits the students rather than, number one, patting ourselves on the back, or number two, having an effect that has nothing to do with the students. And so policy is really what I love. And so when you go into international affairs and you look at it that way, you can point to literally anything. You know, on a on a micro scale, you can look at the war in Ukraine and you could say, you know, we need to send this amount of food to this place so that these soldiers don't starve. Or you could look at it as a macro scale and you could say the Paris Climate Accords, that is a policy that can I say controls it's a it's a document that has guidelines for countries to abide by for their emissions for future years. It's not policy is anything and everything you want it to be that mm. has to do with changing. Just hmm. change. Well, we love policy on the only constant. Um, there we go. <laughs> truthfully. Um, and then I I just want to know how international affairs in any way uh coincides with your work now at the university as student body president there are a lot of things that come with it so one of those things is you get to sit on the university board of trustees and you get to sit with a bunch of people that were appointed by the governor or the board of governors um which i'll explain in a second um but it's a bunch of people who are appointed to make decisions on behalf of the state for the university and so there are two people on that board that are not appointed 
by the governor or the board of governors. And that's the student body president. And this only happens in the state of Florida. So I'm, I'm going to brag on Florida a little bit more here. Hmm. This only happens in the state of Florida. You get a student on the board of trustees, widespread amongst all the public universities. And then you also get the faculty senate president. Hmm. And so both of those people serve on the board of trustees. So now also in the state of Florida with being student body president, all of the student body presidents serve on the board of directors for this nonprofit. And it's a nonprofit corporation and it's a lobbying group that is supposed, it is supposedly, you know, we haven't crunched the numbers this year, but it's supposed to be the largest lobbying corporation in the country that's benefiting students run by students. Wow. And so um, that's called the Florida Student Association. And every student body president in the state is elected to serve on this, uh, on the board of directors. And then we do an internal election. And I know this is a lot of stuff. I'm almost there. You do an internal election and uh, the chair, which I got elected to, goes and serves on the state board of governors. And so now the board of governors is the entire body regulating the entirety of the state university system institutions. Mm. And so, for example, we just had a vote at this last meeting to confirm the new university president for Florida Gulf Coast University. And in the upcoming meetings, we're gonna be voting on the FAU university president. And so we vote in these regulations and rule changes that really dictate you know, what the legislature says, the Board of Governors will go and sign that into regulation and make it a rule that universities have to abide by. Mm -hmm. So like we just reviewed every single university's strategic plan for the upcoming year, which is billions and billions and billions of dollars. Like UF, I think theirs was $7 billion budget a year. Ours is $2.6 billion a year, which is greater than 86 countries, their, their GDP. Oh and so, I know, so... When we, when we look at, oh, no, their budget, not their GDP. And so when we look at it like that, <clears throat> it's a lot of power. And it's very interesting. Um, but at the last Board of Governors meeting, I'm finally where I was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> at, at the last Board of Governors meeting, um, we had this massive presentation uh, from the University of Central Florida, UCF. Uh, go Knights. And <laughs> they presented on undue foreign influence. And so when I heard that this was going to be a thing, I got giddy because I was like, ooh, look, it's my major. It's like my interests, um, which I love anything at higher education anyway. Hmm. Very passionate about it. Interned at the DOE. I mean, I'm in my role now. And so very passionate. Yeah. Um, cool. But I was like, undo foreign influence. This is going to be great. And so what we talked about for an hour was how China is sending professors and and we can assume students, we don't know that because it's much harder to track, but are sending professors to steal grant money and send it back to China or apply for grants and buy things that are illegal. So like chemicals that, you know, are, you know, the Chinese government can't buy or <laughs> Chinese corporations can't. I know this is, <laughs> this is crazy. What? Crazy. Uh, yeah. Anything. And they will send it back to China for nothing. And then, you know what they'll do is... The university will say, hey, we want you to come in and have a hearing. And you know what most of them have done? Fled. They fled the country back to China. And so wow. what they've really discovered is that China, and this is only at UCF, and they've had five or six of them in the past six years. And just from China, nowhere else. And so all of this came to a head because there was a new law that was passed and that people were like, oh, my God, this is going to affect research, blah, blah, blah. 
And it was basically just saying we can't share research with countries that are security risks. So, and there are a couple countries that they point out, North Korea, China, Iran, Russia, Syria. And so you look at those countries and you're like, well, you know, probably should be, shouldn't be sharing, you know, important secrets with them, hmm. especially because UCF is one of the largest DOD grant holders in the country by university. Oh my gosh. I know. And so... What is DOD? Department of Defense. Oh, okay. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. you'll have, you know, very high security clearance <laughs> that you need to be able to work on these projects. Professors come in, they, they get it, and then they steal state research that way. Wow. It's very dangerous. And so... That is one example of how international affairs has, you know, uh, come to an intersection with what I do as student body president. Someone needs to make a movie about that. That's it's very interesting. Really, I mean, it truly is because there are so many um, examples in history. I'm going to bring it back to the point you made in the first half where you were like, you know, you're trying to do the right thing in the wrong way or mm -hmm. something, right? And I'll say like... Um, there have been, I'm not going to bring up specific examples. There are many examples you can bring up in American history, but it's oh, like yeah. us attempting to do the right thing based on national security. It's like, how do we keep the people within our borders safe? Patriot Act. Yeah, it, exactly. That's one example. That's what I was thinking of. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So when that is put in place and then you get to a point now where it's like, you know, everything's all about transparency. You're like, that's what we want, right? We need to be transparent. We need to work together, make the world a better place, so on and so forth. But it's very, it's a very real thing that every other global power or major global power is also looking to be number one in terms of whatever statistic. Always. Always. Because if you look at it from, um, let's say, I don't want to play devil's advocate for Russia right now, but I'm just saying in yeah, general, yeah, yeah. when you look at a country who is trying to obtain nuclear weapons, basically nuclear weapons are the only way that you can ensure your country's not going to get invaded. Like there are set, or one of the only ways that you can and quote unquote ensure that there aren't many ways that you can. Right. But it's like having, uh, I don't want to get into like nuclear warfare right now, but truthfully, when it comes to, Having those type of like weapons of mass destruction, <laughs> tying this into Oppenheimer somehow. I just saw Oppenheimer. Uh, and this <laughs> it is was all so good. Caleb hasn't seen, seen it, yet. so we can't Damn talk it. about it. Holy, but this is all playing so into this. Good. It's but, all playing into it, it. But truthfully, it's like when you have a country. I'm actually I'm going to use Russia as an example because listening to a podcast yesterday. But it's like when you have a country who lost one out of seven people in their nation during World War II. Um, like, they lost millions of people fighting back the Nazis. More so than anyone would, else. More than anybody else combined, I think, or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was crazy when I, when I realized that statistic. But when you think of Russia and the past that they've had, you know, with, like, when you have a major foreign power, basically, when you think of the United States perspective, that would be, like, Russia's experience during World War II would be the equivalent of us losing all of our cities from the East Coast to Chicago. Like they were leveled like that's that's like and think about how what, what state America would be in in that kind of a circumstance. So when you think of a Russian perspective, I am not validating or justifying any of Putin's actions. That's not what I'm doing right now, just to be clear. But I'm saying when you take a different person's perspective, then you can see maybe why they're trying to do the quote unquote right thing in the wrong way. Do you know what I mean? Maybe in Putin's perspective, he's like, 
I'm trying to expand my borders to ensure my economy is okay, to make sure my people have longevity, blah, blah, blah. Once again, not trying to just justify any of these things, but I think no, you see what I, I'm I saying. I think that's a great example. Um, and it's, it's people... And some people, and I, I say that, you know, some people earlier, I said, I think you, someone said 99%. I said like I, 99%. 99%. I, th I think that, um, you know, who we're talking about, Putin might be a 1% kind of person. Yep. Um, because I, it, you, it's undeniable that you can tell that, you know, Putin cares about his country, but it might be to an extent that he doesn't care about other people. Yeah. And when I say might, I mean, absolutely. Uh, yep. so you, and it, Here's another example of what you don't see on the news. Um, yesterday or the day before it came out. Well, first of all, Putin just, uh, you know, refused to sign another document that extends an agreement that allows Ukraine to export their grain and their right. wheat. And so which is going to affect inflation a lot, not only in the United States, but a lot of that wheat and grain goes to Africa. Mm. And so... Mm. Um, the UN is preparing for a way to send more food to Africa uh, because people are going to be dying if if Ukraine doesn't is is not able to export that wheat. And Ukraine said, you know what, I don't care. We're gonna go on with it anyway. And you know what Russia did? They bombed the ship. Yeah, of grain, I saw that. of grain and wheat coming out of the Black Sea that had nothing to do with Russia, nothing to do with the war. Yeah, and it's not a war crime. Because it has nothing to do with the war. It has nothing to do with the war. Oh my it was gosh. already left Ukraine. And they bombed the ship. So it's like, you know, I know that got us on a tangent. No, but no. It's, it, it's okay. a perfect example of rational and irrational actors. And, the, and, and I say actors. I know that you're an actor by trade. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, actors as in, you know, just people in the international community. Mm -hmm. um yeah and it, it's crazy mm -hmm. it's crazy and even just looking at the mission statement for the podcast we highlight how a person's passion provides hope brings positive change and inspires people to do the same yeah how many smart asses in the world can look at that statement and be like well i'm passionate about everybody else dying and it's like okay well that's great for you but it's like we are truthfully at a point in time where yes there are going to be the evil people that exist and to your point, Jack, like, and to your optimism, and the next point that we'll segue to after I'm done tangentizing, um, <laughs> is, like, your your ability to decipher the 99 from the 1%, right? Being able to distinguish, it's like, okay, well, this is clearly not a good thing. This is just, you're just at war with humanity in this regard, right? And then... In a different way, you can also acknowledge when someone is truly trying to do the right thing, just in the wrong way, right? And I think that, that those two things can be conflated, you know, and they can be, you know, misunderstood for one or the other so many times. But truthfully, I think moving forward, going back to this whole progress and hope and everything, and I want to use this as a segue to kindness because in the midst of a ship carrying grain, being sent to Africa, being blown up, there can be a lot of rage that comes with that, right? Like there can be a lot of um, animosity. That's justifiable, you know, I would say in some ways. But when it comes to carrying forth kindness and treating your other humans in a way that they're still human, there are very few Putins, uh, Putins? There are very few Putins in the world, right? But I feel like many people 
will associate others with the same characteristics. It's like, oh my gosh, you're just like this guy. Or you're just like this guy. Like you are, they, they attribute all these negative attributes to you because of some ideology or, or opinion that you might carry, right? I'm just going to come out and say, it's like when people call Republicans fascists. Yes. Mm, don't know about that one. So I want to know how with kindness you move forward and despite the negativity you continue to treat people with yeah treat people with kindness go ahead yeah um first of all i want to i want to make a comment i knew you knew it was coming um and i'm not gonna make a comment on that specific example but i think overstating a problem is one of the largest problems that we have Hmm. because i just saw something i don't even remember what it was about But it was this person that went on and said something was insidious online. And they were talking. I was like, there's no way we're using the word insidious right now to talk about. I forget what it was. If that does not tell you, Mm -hmm. you know, how mild it was. And I was like, oh, my God. People, we wear down the definitions of these words to the point it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And then what does it sound like when something actually happens? It sounds like the boy who cried wolf mm-hmm. because you say this is insidious. This is fascist. This is evil. Yeah. You know, all of this hatred. Yeah. And then what happens when it actually happens? You mm-hmm. know, people are going to have the same reaction. And so did want to make that comment. Great point there. Appreciate that. Yeah. But then, I mean, that kind of solidifies the point is, you know, if you treat people with kindness... That's, I mean, that is like the focal point of what humanity should be because there are so many people who are in hard times who you, you don't know what's going on in their life that if you can just treat them with kindness, that might save their life or it might alter the trajectory of what they're going to end up doing. And so, I mean, a good example of this in student government is like when people mess up, people realize they mess up. They don't need another person to go, oh my God, you messed up. You're so horrible. You're bad at this. They need, no, no, no. It's totally fine. We do it all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, here's, you know, what I recommend because I've done this before. Here's what I recommend to do not to go past that. You need kindness to actually move forward and Mm -hmm. to break down barriers. Mm -hmm. Because that's the thing is it's about barriers between us. You know, if everyone knew everything that was happening, we'd probably live in a utopia. (laughs) <laughs> either that or the exact opposite yeah, yeah. because yep. i always say this i always say this nina's probably gonna listen to this and laugh because of how much i say this but life is an information game and you just have to play it with the knowledge that you have and the more knowledge you have the better and so it's hmm. about breaking down those barriers and if you have all the info it'd be great the barrier wouldn't exist but if you don't how are you gonna break it down it's true are you going to break it down with hatred? I, that's how walls go up. That's how walls get bigger. Yeah. Barriers being brought down with kindness is really what we should be focused on. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then in a circumstance where you might be dealing with the 1% of evil people, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the insidious folk <laughs> are walking around. <laughs> the insidious folk. Okay. You know? But truthfully, how do you lead... With kind, how do you lead a conversation with kindness when they have reprehensible actions taking place in their life? Like they are voluntarily acting reprehensibly. 
first of all, deja vu, um, because <laughs> I was asked almost this exact same question in my first student government interview. Oh. Was, you know, student government, the, the question was something to the tune of, you know, there are a lot of people who would rather tear you down than bring you up in student government. And so what are you going to do to combat that? What are you going to do? You know, do you think that you have the ability to combat that? And I think what's important to note is you literally, you can't do anything different. You just have to be kind. It's not like you need to, you know, go on the opposite side of things and try to befriend everyone else. No, you just need to be kind to the people that you see. Because if not, what are people going to think about that? They're going to think, oh, yep, this dude's over here just trying to be, you know, Superman, I guess. Or they're trying to, um, oh, what's the word? People pleaser? No, it's virtue signaling. Oh, yeah. How did I forget that? They're just virtue signaling. They're saying, oh, this is is the best thing. And then they go out and do the opposite thing. You don't want people to think that. And so it's literally you just have to be kind in the spaces that you are already in. And Mm -hmm. there are a billion examples that you could do, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'll give an example right now is I just had to go move my car. <laughs> and when I came back in, I wasn't like, Oh my God, I had to move my car, which was not a big deal at all. It was, Oh yeah, I forgot to lock my car. Good thing. Y'all gave me the opportunity to go lock my car. Mm. You know, it's, it's every time that you are put up with a decision. It's, you just have to make the kindest answer out of it mm-hmm. find that positive somehow oh yeah and that's yeah. optimism yeah that's optimism oh, it all right comes there. back yeah it all which comes is, back which to is optimism. great which is great yeah well uh this is the longest episode we've had in a while which is awesome because we've talked a, 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 about a lot of really interesting ideas and uh i don't usually do this but i just want to say if you're listening to this episode i really hope you'll think about some of these things because it's important as an american citizen mm-hmm. anyway Let's get to the final question here, uh, which is how, what do, what do you do to change the world around you? It could be big. It could be small. How do you change the world around you? What a great question. First of all, um, I think a lot of people will, that you will have on the podcast will have very succinct, you know, very well-rounded answers of what they do you know, is I have a business that does this, that gives back to people, or I I do this. I don't think mine's going to be that simple. Um, The way that I give back, I think, is very different to most people. And I I think it comes with, you know, we were talking about earlier, the type of person or the type of sacrifices that you have to make to run for a certain office or whatever. I think it comes back to that, the type of people that are willing to do that. Um, But first of all, I'm willing to be the punching bag for a lot of people. Um, and I know we've talked about that, but the thing that comes with that is the ability to make change. Mm-hmm. And that happens in any aspect. So if we zoom in at Florida state is we have the ability to make li- people's lives easier. We're mm-hmm. not there to make it harder and people have misunderstood that in the past. And so I'll just give you one example. Um, statutes are governing documents. And this is just one governing document. We also have a constitution but statutes is 250 pages long of rules, regulations, regulating student government. I don't understand that. You know, <laughs> it makes people's lives so hard, including my own, yeah. 
which I'm not, I'm not advocating, you know, to get rid of all rules that have to deal with me, but we are shortening that document by 33% by the end of the year. Nice. It's not even funny. The amount of, uh, loops, um, and you know, hula hoops that people have to jump through like agency leaders are identity-based organizations. It's stupid that they have to do rules one through 20 when it could just be two, you know, things that people have to abide by, you know, be financially responsible um, and make the best decisions mm-hmm. rather than, oh, you have to, you know, appoint people on this day and we have to make the rules. You can't make the rules and you have to request money from us. If you want to, you know, use a dollar to buy food rather than to buy clothing, you have to get approval from the Senate. What? Yeah. No, it, it, it should be easier for people to represent their communities. And that's really what I like. Mm-hmm. It's just trying to make people's lives easier rather than harder. And so um, as chairs the, of the Florida Student Association, I try to do that as well. And so what we do is we go out and we lobby for certain bills, any legislation that makes people's lives easier. And by people, I mean students. Because that's really what they're what we're there for. We represent four hundred thousand students in the state of Florida. That's how many students are in the state university system in Florida, and so we have to go out and we have to represent people the way that they want to and make people's lives easier. I wish I had a succinct answer for you. No, it's perfect. It's it's exactly, you know, I would I would I would conflate it with y'all. Is y'all have a fantastic podcast? where y'all go out and y'all make people's voices heard. And I would say that y'all are doing very similar work to what I'm doing because all you're trying to do is make people's voices heard. You're not doing just one thing because you have dozens of really cool people on the podcast that you're sharing their story. And it's not just one facet. Y'all are multifaceted. And Mm. I would say it's the same thing um, Mm. with the area that I'm in. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Dude, thank you so much for coming on today. And thank you. Such a, like, this was just such a cool, invigorating conversation is the word I want to use. Because truthfully, I feel so, I feel a lot more bold than I did before we started talking. Good. <laughs> like, Good. truthfully, I'm like, I can make a change right now. That's how it should be. That's how it should be. That's how it should be. Which, hold up, I felt the same after watching Oppenheimer. Oh, yeah. I got home and I was like, what am I doing? I yes. need to do more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, whatever. Dude, I cried. You cried? I cried at the end. I'm just, everybody, I cried at the end of Oppenheimer. Oh, my gosh. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. You heard it here first. I cried. <laughs> he cried like a baby during Oppenheimer. But oh, no joke, gosh. I almost did too. No, oh, it's hard. It's hard. I'm kind of an emotional guy. Kind of. I I'm am such an emotional. Yeah, they, I'm, I'm very emotional. There you go, Jack. And it was like hard for me. Yeah. Because I got out of the movie <laughs> and it was kind of warm. So, I, you know, when you're at movies, you always bring a jacket. Mm-hmm. Brought my jacket and it was kind of hot in the theater. So I took it off. But when we walked out, I was with my roommate and his girlfriend and I put on my jacket and she was like, what are you doing? It's 88 degrees or 89 degrees. What are you doing? And I was like, I just need the comfort. Yeah, dude, for real. Mm. I need the comfort. Damn. So, dude, you anyway. are bringing comfort to people. Yes. After today, yes. I hope so. Seriously, no. Truthfully, I mean, I really feel like just your your optimism and your kindness it just kind of like oozes out of you. It really does. I appreciate that. 
Oh, I my gosh. That. And it's very important that y'all are sharing other people's stories. You know, it's important that not everyone think like me. Yeah. Because if that happened, then, you know, oh, I wouldn't want to see a world with seven billion jacks running around. <laughs> but, you know. It, Same with Caleb's for me. Right. <laughs> you guys yeah. can speak for yourselves. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't want a bunch of me's either. <laughs> hey, if it was me and a bunch of Ted's running around. That would That's be great. That's a good life. I'd watch that show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd love that life. For those of you listening, that was Jack Hitchcock. And hopefully, you found some hope today. Thanks for listening to The Only Constant. We show how people use their passions to change the world around them every day. To learn more about our mission, visit OnlyConstantPodcast.com. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at OnlyConstantPodcast to see even more and stay updated with the show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or Spotify, leaving a review or rating for the podcast helps us learn what's working and what's not. We value your feedback. Hopefully, you found some hope today.